You're listening to The Voice, episode 22. This episode, hosted by Judd Rasmussen. Welcome back to The Voice. I'm Judd Rasmussen. And today we're going to talk about what it takes to launch your company, get a startup going. Uh, and today I'm joined by Scott Annan, who's a driving force behind Ottawa's startup scene, and a man who specializes in getting companies off the ground. Scott, thanks for coming in. Thank you. Uh, it's a bit of Scott's background. He's one of the founders of StartupOttawa.com a blog that's definitely worth checking out. He's the founder and CEO of Mercury Grove. In the past two years, you've launched Network Hippo and Web Collaboration, and fairly recently, a cool new tool set called uh, Startup Place for Entrepreneurs. So you've got a lot going on. Yep, absolutely. Uh, I think it's fair to say that anybody who's in the, the startup business in Ottawa or the venture capital business in the region knows who you are. Yeah, I spend a lot of time with startups and uh, unfortunately with VCs too. <laughs> right, well, let's, just, let's talk about the fundamentals get right into it. How, did, how does somebody get a company off the ground? I mean, marketing and sales this is a, a fundamental component. And in Ottawa, most of them are techies. Yep. So I'd say the sort of software engineers really have no background in that. Yep. Wh where's their starting point? Uh, the starting point really for a, for a startup is vision. And so uh, really being able to understand what the future looks like and being able to paint that picture for people. Uh, the, best, the, the best thing you can do as a startup is having a background story, understanding why you're solving a problem. Not, not necessarily the technology or the solution, but what was the problem? What's the story that led you to decide to, to devote a ridiculous amount of hours to be able to solve that problem? And so, um, you know, generally, uh, when it comes to the press, when it comes to the public, people love vision, they love passion, and they'll buy into it as long as they feel like there's a promise there that you're going to be able to deliver that at some point. And so, some of the benefits of being a startup compared to a large company is that people like to see you succeed and people like to believe in you know, a better world. So I think from a small business standpoint, it really starts with a strong vision and being in love with a, a specific problem. So it almost sounds like the story is more important than the product coming out of the gate. It's absolutely, yeah. I mean, okay. I, I think you know, in, in marketing in general, the story is more important than the product. Uh, I think it's always more important. And, and I think that the way that you get people to, to believe in, in, in you and believe in your product is alignment of a vision. Okay, so I'm, let's say I've got a, a startup going, I'm focusing on the mobile sector. Um, who am I trying to tell my story to? You know, am, I, am I trying to reach potential customers? Am I trying to reach potential investors? Am I going after the press? Uh, there's a lot of audiences out there. Yeah. Where do I focus? Uh, well, in the early days, you know, your focus is trying to get traction. And so um, in order to do that, yeah, you're looking for, for customers or you're looking for people who are, who are you know, giving you their email address and kind of permission marketing right. to allow you to sell to them afterwards. Um, too many startups, in my opinion, focus on press too early. And so what you want to do is, is if, you, if you imagine a startup as like, you know, being a, a fisherman, you're, you're in a boat and you're lowering your net. And you're trying to catch as many people as you can to align themselves with your vision and be there to support you, either as paying customers or people who are talking about what you're doing. And the press is just like a huge wave that drives things towards your net. And if you're not, your net's not you know, cast well and is not catching anything, then a lot of early press is not going to be very helpful. Okay, so you're not, is it fair to say you're not too niche 
in your in your marketing message coming out of the gate? You're just trying to build a community, trying to reach anybody who might want to listen to your story. You're gonna be very niche. So you're gonna be trying to find like who who are the people who have the greatest pain, like, okay. like very as specifically as you can, so that now you've got a problem or a, a future view of what you know the world looks like, and then who are the people who care most about that view, and make sure that there's alignment there. And so early on, yeah, I think you want to be uh, you know spending a lot of time seeing you know what resonates with people. What, one of the things that we do. Um, is validate product ideas and so we'll set up a website um, and we'll try to articulate in one sentence here's what we're doing or here's the problem that we're solving and then we ask people to, to give give us their email address as a way of saying I'm interested in this and, and I'd like to learn more at some point right and so there's some kind of a call to action okay so you talk about a website uh, what does it look like does it need to be professional do you care about logo and branding at this point or does it just need to be up it's, it's got to be the, the messaging is what you're doing at this point. So very, very, very early on mm -hmm. is, is how do you articulate, you know, as succinctly as possible, this is the problem that we're solving. And when we do that, we'll do anywhere from, you know, 12 to 50 variations of a sentence. Oh. So we're not, we're not talking about creating a, a big website. What we don't want to do yet is sell. And what we're not trying to do is try to convince people that we've got the best solution. We're trying to convince people that there's something that's worthwhile. So people to agree with you, with your vision, essentially. Exactly. You know, okay. and, and that allows, and then we run, we run different kinds of advert, uh, you know, advertising online in order to drive people to, to, to the page to see, do people care? You know, and, and we'll be very niche on demographics of who we're trying to get to come take a look at that page. And from that, we decide, you know, do we have something that, you know, we think people will eventually pay for or, you know, that, you know, that we're right. having attraction behind. So you're, you're validating your vision Absolutely. before you really get into product development. Absolutely, yeah. How much time, and it's hard, if you do a ratio split in terms of product development and your vision statement, if you're reaching out, yeah. how do you balance that time? I mean, I think it depends on the product. I mean, some are really, really heavy R&D uh, products. So um, I, I think that people don't spend enough time doing the validation side and, and it doesn't stop. It's not like you do it and say, oh yeah, we got it. Um, you know, it's just a lot of research you know, that you need to do and there's constant tweaking. So when's your aha moment? Use one of your companies as an example. Mm -hmm. So you've, you see some white space out there, you say, hey, I'm going to fill it. There's yep. a problem that we can solve. It's not being addressed properly. Uh, you frame your story, you're, you're online. You're getting some community feedback. Yeah. At what point do you say, okay, now I got to start so building something? So, so if you break down uh, a startup, uh, uh, any company, but especially an early, early company, you're running your company on a set of hypotheses, right? And so you've got a bunch of guesses. Right. And a bunch of them are, are fairly standard ones. We, you know, will somebody pay for this service? You know, uh, is there enough people who will pay for it? Do people care enough about it? And those are pretty easy to test, as far as testing those. But there's, there's always one or two really big hypotheses. Um, you know that you need to be able to test early on to find out is this something that's worth you know worth running. And so, for instance, with uh, startupplays.com, it's it's a service where we actually uh, take a process by a famous entrepreneur. Um, you know how they've done something very specific, pitching a VC, um, you know driving traffic to their blog, um, and we take their process and document it with pro tips and a bunch of templates. Right. And then we sell it to entrepreneurs. And so, our hypothesis was a uh, you know, do entrepreneurs need this or want this? Have any interest in it? And B, could we get entrepreneurs, famous entrepreneurs, to write these things for us? And so we did a whole bunch of tests online for over a month. Uh, like we didn't know it was us that was even doing it, of trying to validate. You know, does anybody want this? And what we saw was that we had a lot of people that were signing up. But not only were people signing up, they were sharing it with other people. And so 
we saw that we were able to create a kind of a, a, a viral movement behind, behind this, and we said, we've got something. Now, it doesn't mean that we've got the big thing. It doesn't mean that we've got the solution that meets that. Right. And so we moved from there to, uh, you know, kind of an alpha testing of, okay, does this, if, if this is the problem and, and you're willing to use it or pay for it, does this solution meet, you know, your expectations? And so we got really good feedback on there as well. We got really lucky compared to my other startups. Very, very early on, we were very lucky. People said, yeah, I really like this format. It makes sense. It was later, there's a bunch of tweaking that we did within there as well. And so even though we're now, you know, three months uh, into actually having a product that people are paying for, we still aren't going for any press. You know, we're still uh, uh, on the product validation, on the uh, delivery, and making sure we really nail that. And it will still be a few more months before we say, okay, now, we know that for every person that comes, we can turn that, that one individual into two and a half or three people because they'll refer their friends. Okay. Now's a great time to find tidal waves and find ways that we can drive lots of people into a funnel because we've, we've, we've tested and we've figured out how you know, to our conversion rates work and how we can get them to refer. So it really is about leveraging the web and everything you do is there. Absolutely. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. You, you made uh, an interesting comment there. You said, as opposed to your other startups, you got traction earlier, feedback early. Uh, a few weeks back, we sat down and you dropped a quote on me that said, it, the average Canadian startup takes seven years to fail. Yeah. What did you mean by that and why? Well, in, in this country, we, d we, do, um, we do a lot of investment. In fact, we're, we're the number one country in investment in R&D. Um, okay. Investment we by whom? By the government, sorry. Okay. Yeah, so number one government investment in R&D. Uh, and we have no metrics to, to show whether that's provided any value or created any, any value in, in, in Canada. And so... As a startup, uh, there are a number of different uh, programs that you can apply to in order to get free money. Right. Which means that you can run a company with very few customers and still be able to pay salaries for a lot of years. And so what we have is a lot of, a lot of people who are doing a lot of trial and error, um, but they don't fail fast enough. And so instead of realizing that this thing isn't going to take off in six months or a year, they can actually go on for seven years, afford to pay themselves a decent living, and never have a company that so takes So they're not off. real companies. You're saying they don't have a buying or enough consumers right. to sustain them. Right. They're not sustainable companies. Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like you think that <coughs> government funding is hindering innovation? It's definitely, yeah. So I think, it's, I think that, that government funding and the way that we're currently doing it uh, hinders innovation. If I'm, uh, as an entrepreneur and talking to other entrepreneurs, I've got two pots of money that I can have access to, and one of them is a paying customer, right. um, and the other one is uh, government grants. You've got IRAP, you look at you know, Shred, these different programs. Um, both take energy in order to be able to get that funding, yeah. um, and we're training entrepreneurs on how to get the second pot of money, which is these, this grant money, uh, which should be used as a way to, to leverage and be able to put into R&D in order to get more customers. But instead, we become professional grant writers. Right. And that's not a skill that I've heard entrepreneurs need in any other country. Um, yeah, so I mean, I think, I think that what hinders innovation is not understanding and, and hitting specific metrics in order to have a growth company that, that it becomes sustainable and being able to kind of just flourish in this no man's land for you know, up to seven years. So I think about Ottawa, and I think of all the young entrepreneurs I've met who are doing some really cool things. Yep. A lot of them you're fostering yep. and enabling. Um, your counsel to them is, don't put time into into applying for these these grants and no I mean you know we, we, we're recipients of them and and you know and I think that uh, I, you know if, if it's a, a place where right now in Ottawa there's there's no private sector funding for high-risk 
uh, early stage growth companies. So you cannot get funding in, in Ottawa. Okay. And so uh, oftentimes you need a source of funding in order to be able to say, how do I take $25,000 and turn it into $50,000 or $100,000? And unless you've got that proof point or unless you've started a company before, no one's going to write you a $250,000 check. Right. Right. And so uh, early seed financing helps companies do that. And so if you can leverage IROP or these other programs and use it that way, not as a salary, but as a way of a funding source that, that enables you to turn to. discipline not to. Yeah, I mean, entrepreneurship takes a lot of discipline, you know, yeah. and uh, so, uh, but what we've got in, in Ottawa is this kind of cottage country of consultants and people who, who benefit from a startup uh, uh, kind of, a, uh, you know, ecosystem, and uh, those kinds of programs create consultants, and they create, you know, uh, uh, programs on how to be an entrepreneur and all this other crap that is largely government funded. Mm. And what they're doing is dangling in front of entrepreneurs this money, this free money. Some of it government related and also promises that they'd be able to, to get additional funding. The additional funding never comes. Um, right. And instead, it's people who are, like I said, kind of feeding off of you know, entrepreneurs and the money that's available through the government. And uh, one of our colleagues, uh, I forget who it was, attended an Oak Ree event. Yep. Uh, I wasn't there. And he tweeted that uh, it's all about we're really, we're really good at, at cheering and applause, or something to that effect. I'm yep. paraphrasing, yep. but that's not going to get us across the goal line. That yep. uh, sounds like you're you're saying the same thing. We're really good at patting each other on the back, saying "Go, go, go! What a great idea!" But we're not still not providing our entrepreneurs with what they need to be successful. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's, I don't think, I don't personally, I don't think we're good at either. I mean, I don't think that we're a culture that that supports entrepreneurs. I don't think that we do say, "Hey, it's amazing," and get behind our entrepreneurs. The Canadian government doesn't buy services from entrepreneurs. Right. Um, they buy uh, consulting services, but they, they don't buy new innovative products. Um, largely, the private sector does not buy Canadian either. So I don't think that we are actually that supportive from, from that standpoint. Um, but the companies that are succeeding, like the Shopify's, um, as an example, yep. you know, it's everybody's driving right now, yep. Ottawa base. Is it just because they've got, they got lucky? Or they have a great product? Or so when you look at the, 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 the key word in startups is traction. Right? And so and what traction means is you know, being able to go through kind of a, uh, a dip where you're able to start getting lots of customers. It's hard getting your first few, but once you get to the inflection point, you start getting lots of them. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot of studies done around like, how do you get traction? Like, how does a startup get traction? And you know, kind of the reigning belief right now is that you get lucky. At one point, you get lucky. There is no kind of single thing. It could be okay. impressed. It could be whatever else. So Shopify got lucky, but when that moment they got lucky, they benefited from it and was able to use that to keep growing. Where a lot of startups have an event that could have made them lucky, but they didn't yet have you know the kind of market validation, you know product development in order to be able to, to benefit from that. So okay. Shopify got lucky, and then had the discipline and the focus to continue to grow and stay focused on on their core business. Okay. Um, I think, like I said, here is that it's not a question of applause or not applause. It's uh, focusing on how do uh, uh, companies grow, uh, you know, in, in a sustainable way and not creating all kinds of programs around them that they can get paid a few hundred dollars for a day of, you know, So consulting. let's go back to our starting point in the conversation. Um, you know, now you inject what you would like to see in Ottawa. Because I know you're, you're, like I said, big cattles behind startups yep. in Ottawa. Um, we both know a lot of really smart entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. So if someone's coming out of the gate now, yep. day one, what's, what's the process? What's your advice to them to, to, to move forward? 
So there's, there's two types of, of, of entrepreneurs, and, and there's a lot of uh, discussion around, you know, should you bootstrap or shouldn't you? And I think most entrepreneurs today should bootstrap and try to get a lot, uh, some early traction. They don't okay. need funding. It doesn't cost that much to start a business. But as soon as they have traction, they need to find out where sources of real money is that they can tap into. And uh, it makes sense to be able to get, you know, twenty-five or thirty or fifty thousand dollars, and be able to show that with your initial traction, you can use that in order to get a greater growth. And then they'll have to go outside of Ottawa to get additional funding. Even in Ottawa, it's it's, it's difficult to be able to find that. I mean, they can call me, but other than that, there's not uh, people who are writing checks. That's, that's a real question. So they get to that point. Let's say they do get some IRAP funding or something, yep. and it helps them <coughs> get to that next level. Yep. Now they're looking for, as you say, real money. Yep. Uh, some some a private investment. Yep. Um, who are the people in town? Is Nobody. It, so it's they go to you, the people who facilitate. Are you the godfather of? No, of no. I wish I wish I was, but no. There's there's no funds. There's no fund in Ottawa, and 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 you know I don't want to go into uh, talking too much about the, how the VC world works, but okay. the reality is that when you're an angel investor or or you're, you're funding. Uh, everybody sets up syndicates, and so the best thing for you right now is to go to Montreal or to go to Toronto, Vancouver, because th- there are places there where there are, are uh, either institutions or individuals who are writing checks. The problem in Ottawa isn't that there's no money, but we're not part of a syndicate. And so we need somebody here, some kind of a, a person who's got a fund, it doesn't need to be a huge fund, but it's got right. like a 5 to $10 million fund, who not only can, can invest that money, but can draw money from Boston and New York, from, you know, the, the, from Montreal, Toronto, the West Coast, because those people don't just put money into a company in some place called Ottawa and right. hope that it'll succeed. They need right. somebody locally who says, look, I'll lead this round, but I'll bring in a bunch of other people. Okay. And Shopify was able to, able to do it. They've got a great track record. They've got a good management team. And so they're really the exception in this city, and there's not many others who, you know, in, in our space, kind of web mobile space, uh, there aren't others who are able to achieve that. This is a really interesting conversation. Unfortunately, I think we need to wrap it up. Um, for any of our listeners who want to learn more about you, more about the startup community. Um, where should they go? Should they go to startupottawa.com to go to Startup Place? Yeah, check out startupottawa.com or uh, the website mercurygrove.com. And uh, yeah, if anyone's interested in funding or, or has a high growth product or idea, um, you know, let me know. And uh, if nothing else, I've got a good network and, and can make some introductions. All right, man. Thanks so much for coming in. All right, thanks. You've been listening to the podcast of the International Association of Business Communicators, Ottawa Chapter, produced at the Media Style Studio. 